WebmasterRadio.fm. Log into the feed and linger in the lounge. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're wow, reserving the headline crazy. for you. Didn't take, so, yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Cover Story. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and I am joined with my ever-wonderful Mick Jolly of PR Web. How are you? Very good, Brandy. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, thank you. Hey, how was your holiday weekend? Oh, holiday weekend was fabulous. Uh, fireworks everywhere. Uh, you know, just ended up uh, parking out along the beach. Uh, up here in Washington State, and you can see out to some of the San Juan Islands, and there were there was fireworks coming up from all directions. It was it was just really a fantastic experience, and they had a lot of family in from out of town, so you know lots of good barbecue and potato salad, and all the rest of it that goes with it. You know that makes it a fun, festive event. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. You know it's very sad in a way. In Florida, people don't celebrate the way they do. I'm from Massachusetts. I mean, we're at Independence Central there. So, and I used to run around first, you know, Memorial Day weekend and Fourth of July weekend. And is anyone having a barbecue? Is anyone having a cookout? <laughs> and everyone would look at me like, "Hey, we got a day off." Yeah, it's right? a day off. We're going to go hang out inside the air conditioning. <laughs> right, and you know, fireworks are a big a big deal, and we always try to go to them. But this year, we decided we actually took a, a wind jammer cruise. Oh, really? And which was phenomenal. And uh, took the. So you recommended I take it. All right. You know what? It, I have to say, it's a really, it's a forced unplug. There's nothing to do on the boat. You are just one with Mother Nature and Father Sea. And, I mean, there's no TV. There's no phones. There's uh, no television. Did I just say that twice? I think I did. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so it's really, it's, you just have to do, um, you know, sort of what generations before us did, which is enjoy each other's company. Very and good. they do a nice job. You know, you can jump off the side of the boat, and you go to um, you go to little deserted islands, and it's so cute because they actually have stingrays that every time you know you're, that you go there, they show up at the island. And I really think that you know, like they're a little set up. These little stingrays just come out, and you know, hey, they're here. We're going to get fed. Yeah, they're, they're looking for chum. <laughs> well, hey, so you know, was, we're we're uh, joined today by another Florida resident, and that's Michael Drew. I hear you, and you know. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, Michael. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Sitting here uh, waiting for the uh, tropical storm to hit full blast. Uh, I'm getting my windows blasted with rain, but uh, I'm doing well. Now, we're in, I apologize profusely, where in Florida are you located? I live up in the Panhandle in Panama City. Oh, very lovely. Very lovely. So you have very different weather from us. You usually get the weather before us, don't you? We're in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, it, it depends, but it, it's it's very different. We get the uh, humidity from the uh, west coast of of uh, Florida, from the uh, from the Gulf, and uh, we we get the Gulf Stream. So it, it, it's a little different than living down in in South Florida. Also, it's considered the Redneck Riviera, so the people here are a little bit different than they are uh, down south. Well, down south, it's all transplants. 
It's all exactly. It, it, the, the South Florida is a northern state. Uh, North Florida is a southern state. So you have your true exactly. Florida natives there. <laughs> exactly. So we're excited to have Michael Drew on today. You've done something. They say that everybody has a book in them. I believe that most people have a book in them, yes. Okay, so once you write that book, how do you get, you know, it used to be build it and they will come, and today it's so difficult, A, to get yourself published, and B, to get any kind of distribution. And you've done an amazing job at helping people to promote their books so that they've hit the bestseller list um, in a myriad of different topics. Well, the truth is that the the industry is still a very archaic and inane industry. the, the advent of the computer has been a blessing, and in some ways, it's been a—it's it, been the downfall of the book industry. Back in 1985, there were roughly 35,000 books being published every year. Last year, there were more than 200,000 books published. Wow! How do you compete with all that noise? Well, it's really, really difficult. It, what, what makes it even even more difficult is that the average retail bookstore can only carry a hundred thousand individual titles, and okay. of those hundred thousand titles, between seventy and eighty percent. So, if you're doing your math, seventy to eighty thousand of those titles are are what we call in the industry backlist titles, meaning your perennial bestsellers, last year's bestsellers, and your classics. Which means that uh, the average bookstore only puts an additional twenty to thirty thousand new titles on their shelf every year. So it's a very, very um, difficult industry to break into. It's a very difficult industry to, to become to become successful at. And part of what I found, um, I'm a for, former book publisher myself, is it's about education. It's about understanding how to play the game better than, than anyone else and, and understanding the game that you're actually playing. Unfortunately, in today's market, it's less about the value of the content that you're offering and more about your ability to create the sell through at the store level. Because as an author, you don't think about this as a business. You think about it as I'm putting something out into the world that I think is going to affect positively, uh, positively affect the world. But to a publisher, they're looking at it from the standpoint, hey, I've got to sell books. If I don't sell a book, I'm not making any money. Right. And so in today's market, what publishers are looking for are the author's ability to create sell-through at the store level. Now, how do they, I mean, because my mother's actually a published author, nonfiction. Okay. And I look at her as really being a pioneer among women. She put right. herself on a plane and in 1979 went and knocked on the door at Athenaeum, told them that she had a meeting with... Um, the head editor there, and basically was able to finesse her way in. So she did something that's almost unheard of, which right. is her, her first manuscript was actually, um, you know, I mean, it, she, she started, okay, Brandy, my hamster's slipping the wheel, I apologize profusely. It was actually turned into a book, and that began a wonderful long relationship with Athenaeum and Sterling public, you know, publishers. Sure. How do people do that today? Because it's not as easy, let's say, as if you were just gutsy. How do you start? Well, you, you could be gutsy today, and it would make the big, big of a difference. Again, it, it, the publishers today are very, very bottom-line oriented. You have to be able to, to approach a publisher and say, here's what I'm bringing to the table. Here's how we're going to justify the expense for you to publish the book. What, what authors don't understand is that in today's market, with only twenty to 30,000 new books ever making it onto retail books or shelves, the bookstores actually charge the publishers for that shelf space. It's called co-op. Uh, traditional merchandising, and it, it, it's comparable to tr- traditional merchandising in a grocery store or other stores where you, you pay for your placement. But in, in book, bookstores, it's very expensive. Um, typically, the cost is between $1 to $3 per book. So if Barnes & Noble 
picked up 10,000 copies of your book, the publisher is going to pay between ten dollars and $30,000 just to have those 10,000 books on retail shelves on, the, on Barnes & Noble stores. And so in today's marketplace, what a publisher really brings to the table for most authors is their knowledge of how to package a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say packaging, I mean editing and designing a book and their their ability to pay for, distri- for, for the shelf space, for the distribution. But it, it's completely reliant upon the author to create the sell-through. And so what publishers are looking for today is what is the author bringing to the table that will create the sell-through at the store level. Because the, the publisher, in turn, has to go and justify to Barnes & Noble that that that. that this book belongs to be on the shelf. Not just that they're going to pay to have the book on the shelf, but that this book will actually be sold through. Mm-hmm. Now, how is there a criteria, let's say, like a generic criteria that publishers use to define whether or not you would have that sell-through ability? It, it, I don't know that there's one defined criteria. It's basically you've got to be able to say, here's what I'm bringing to the table. Here's how I'm going to sell 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 copies of the book. Basically, you have to say to the publisher, we expect, to, we personally expect to sell X number of books. Mm-hmm. And typically, if you, the minimum number a publisher is going to look at is, is 5,000. The average retail book doesn't sell 5,000 copies in its life. So the starting point that you need to be able to bring to the table say I can this is how we're going to create at least 5000 sales. The more books that you can commit to, be, to selling and you can prove through your marketing plan and strategy um, the more books they're going to be willing to, to to print. If you go to the table and say we can sell 30,000 you're you're more likely to be able to get 30,000 40 50,000 copies of your book onto retail shelves. Does that make sense? No, that makes a hundred. I mean, that makes tremendous sense. But I think what we need to do, which I think is really getting into what you specialize in, um, is the fact that you can't just go to a publisher and say, "Hey, this is what I believe I'm going to sell." And a lot of times, people, even if they're brilliant and they've got a strong background in marketing, and that's you know they're doing something nonfiction and business related, when it comes to them writing their manuscript. You know, you become very personally attached to it, so to see things clearly as far as what the end result is going to be is oftentimes difficult. Correct. How do you create that formula that you can say to them, hey, you know, without everyone getting egg on their face, this is how many books we truly perceive we're going to be able to push out the door for you? Well, the first thing that I ask my clients to, to look at is, mm-hmm. I, I ask them this question. If, if, you, if we wanted to push your book on the bestsellers list in two weeks, how many books between now and two weeks from now would you be able to sell? If you contacted every single person that you knew, every single business contact you had, you called in every possible favor that you could possibly call in, how many books do you think you could sell? So that's okay. the first question that I ask, because the truth is that book sales start out with the author's platform. And I define platform as being the author's name and reputation within their given industry or niche and their ability to capitalize on that name and reputation within that niche to generate sales. Okay, so so basically, it's you're doing your own personal outreach and getting people that you know to create momentum for you. Right. Well, it, it, exactly. If you're a speaker or consultant, as an example, which frequently are the authors that I work with, then you're going to have customers that pay you to do consulting. And instead of being paid to do consulting, you could you could go to your clients and say, "Look, I'm trying to push my book on the bestseller list for the next three months. I'm going to offer you X number of hours of consulting for free if you buy uh, the same the same number of uh, same dollar amount in books, or if you're." If you're a speaker, you, you can go out to your speakers' bureaus and say, I don't want to be paid in cash. I want to be paid in people purchasing books. So you can do some trade-offs there. You can go to your, 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 some of your other business associates and clients and say, this book is going to benefit your employees 
here's how. Um, we're doing a bestseller push. We'd like you to buy X number of copies of the book. And so you, you basically look at every possible marketing avenue that you personally have, and you say, and you guesstimate roughly how many books you can sell, and that that's your that that's the base of the sale. That, that's where the base of the sales are going to come from. People buy books because they're familiar with either the the book itself or they're familiar or they're familiar with the author. So that would be the first place that I would start. The next place that I would expand to would be, would be PR. Now, PR is very fickle in the creation of sales. Um, I'll, I'll share a quick story about um, a, a woman who had great PR and, and the book didn't sell well. There was a book released about three years ago by a major New York house. The a woman wrote a book on when working women should have children. Uh, the author was on Oprah, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Ed Ops, New York Times, uh, mm-hmm. LA Times, Chicago Tribune, People, Time, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, had 150,000 books on retail bookstore shelves and only sold 11,000 copies. Ah, and you attribute that to? Uh, PR doesn't necessarily, having PR, even relevant PR, um, even for a well-written book, does not necessarily translate into book sales. What, what I tell most of my authors when, when I work with them is if you're looking to make money on your book, you don't want to work with me. I, I, what I recommend to most nonfiction authors is to use their book as a way to promote their business. Mm-hmm. Now, if the author had a tertiary way of capitalizing on her her PR success with her business, she probably would have made a, a, quite a bit of money, not directly from the sale of the book, but for what it did to her, to, uh, tertiary, tertiary to her business. Right, because she established extra credibility for herself. She's now a published author. She's been on national TV Correct. and will attract people to her more from, like you said, a business perspective than just from selling of you know, selling numbers of books. So what you're saying is you specialize in, if someone's coming to you and they say, wow, I've got this great concept for a book, or I've already written my book, I have a business with a solid reputation, I am on the speaking circuit, so I've established credibility for myself as being an industry expert, I now want to take my company to another level, and I think that this would be a great marketing tool for me. Right. Your push is more from a, hey, you're not going to become the next Jeffrey Archer, let's say or the next V.C. Andrews, or David Baldacci, but you are, and I understand those are fiction, but you are going to use this as another marketing tool for yourself instead of having... Well, right. In, fa- in fact, what I, what, what I specialize in is helping business owners, uh, basically in any nonfiction category, who, who want to become New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Business Week bestsellers to add additional credibility to their business. Because short of winning the Pulitzer, there's nothing like being a New York Times bestselling author. And, and using that, adding that as a tit- to your title is, is huge. It, it, it increases your speaking fees, your consulting fees. It increases your visibility. It makes it easier for your PR firm to justify getting you on bigger and better shows and more, and more shows, and it, and it adds credibility when you're actually on those shows to the listeners and viewers. Now, do you specialize more in, um, or I would assume maybe equal parts, you know, getting people on, like, let's say, consumer-based advertising, you know, consumer-based, um, you know, whether it be, you know, news, newspapers, television shows, radio shows, et cetera, as well as industry-specific um, you know, I actually, I, I do not personally do peer-specific spe- PR things. What I do um, is develop the strategies um, and implement the strategies to push the book onto the actual New York Times and other, uh, other national bestsellers lists. And then I develop the, the PR strategies and hire the PR firms to fully capitalize on our bestseller success. Fabulous. And you know what I think we should do? I think we should go to our first break. 
I just wanted to establish that because what you, the service that you offer is extremely important. I happen to know a few authors whom you've worked with, and their businesses have skyrocketed due to your assistance and help. So if that's where you want to focus people, you should be listening to this show because the information you're gaining here is invaluable. So let's go ahead. Let's go to our first break, and we will be right back with Cover Story and our featured guest, Drew Michael. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRKConsulting.com, making sure your mother is all Always proud. So they got pretty good food here, huh? huh? Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts. Mm. Plus, their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and tells me how much I earn from each advertiser. Wow. And that sound better? Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give ValueClick Media a try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written in Informative content. High quality content. Also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back with our featured guest, Mike Drew. Not Drew Michaels. I think I just renamed you. That's all right. Not a problem. <laughs> I apologize profusely. Um, but for everyone listening today, I think this is something that is extremely important. You know, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, everyone has a book in them. And if you have a company that's an established company, you're establishing, you want to establish yourself more in the marketplace, gain more credibility, um, a wonderful marketing tool is to be able to write a book and obviously be able to place yourself and say that you are a best-selling author on one of the lists that are important for your industry segment. And, and not just a bestseller. Saying that you're New York Times or a Washington Journal or USA Today or Business Week bestsellers is really key. There's a lot of... Uh, in the book industry, there are a lot of companies out there that offer making the Amazon.com bestseller list or BarnesandNoble.com or other smaller or intermediary bestsellers list, which really have, in my opinion, no value uh, to an author. It doesn't help with distribution. It doesn't increase. Nobody really cares about anything less than the New York Times, Washington Journal, USA Today, or Business Week bestsellers list, in my opinion. At least the general public don't. 
No, I, I agree with you 100%, but that's a very confident, confident statement to be able to say. I mean, I think that everyone walks around saying, my goodness, if I could establish myself, like you said, it's short of getting a Pulitzer Prize. Absolutely. I, I can't think of anything, anything, short of, uh, anything more than the Pulitzer that would be better than being a New York Times bestselling author. Um, I mean, you certainly the, the Nobel Peace Prize, but I, that, that doesn't apply for most <laughs> authors, especially business authors. Um, but here's the thing. The reason that my focus is first getting the book on the bestsellers list is that, again, last year there were 200,000 books published. There's limited, there's limited availability for shelf space at the retail level, on top of which those 200,000 authors are all vying for the same media attention. And so capitalizing on your your marketing platform to generate the initial sales to push the, the, the book on the bestsellers list will pay out in, in dividends you can't even imagine down the road. Again, in the short term, it'll increase distribution of, at the trade level. It'll make it easier for your PR firm to book you on big, bigger and better, better media shows. And my recommendation to authors is that they not try to do any retail distribution or retail sales on their book until they're ready uh, um, to be able to... Or, ready to, to push the book on the bestsellers just for the, basically they can pre-sell roughly 20,000 copies of their book. So let's start from the beginning because I, you know, sure. something that, that we always, um, you know, we get on our, our soapbox about is it's easier to fall down a flight of stairs than it is to crawl back up. And okay. that's really what you're preaching. Start at the, you know, start at the Times list, start at the, the journal list, and, you know, that's where you can get your major visibility. And by doing that, you separate the wheat from the chaff and really go out there and, and achieve what it is that you want, whether it's, you know, to call more attention to your business, to your person, you're starting a new division, um, you know, you can get those needs met. And then you have the ability to turn down speaking engagements or really redefine your focus as you go forward. So let's talk about, because you've, you've established a very um, a good formula for what people need to do in order to establish themselves on the list and then, you know, create marketing plans for them, et cetera. So what, what are the steps? If I was to come to you or Mick was to come to you, um, or perhaps we can even use a case study like the Eisenberg brothers, what are the first things that they need to do? And how do you pull from them? I mean, because that's difficult for people to go to people that they know all the time, or maybe they overlook a lot of who um, their public is that so they can draw from so that they can get those pre-sales. How do you work with people to really help them harness the power that they already have? Well, I mean, part of it's personality. I, I, I suppose I only work with authors who are real, who are willing to make that commitment. Um, I've never missed getting a book on the bestsellers list, and I think that's in part because I choose to work with winners. Um, it really, it, it's a matter of having the commitment to doing whatever is necessary to get your book on the bestsellers list, using your existing name and reputation to generate those sales. Uh, the, the the way that an author generates those first twenty thousand sales varies widely. Uh, I have an author who owns a business networking organization called BNI, the world's largest uh, business network organization. Um, and he's got roughly 60,000 members throughout the world, 30, over 34,000 here in the United States, and it's mm-hmm. relatively easy for us to have his members right. pre-purchase those books. Other other authors like Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg had to network with their uh, business associates, have uh, blog posts and other things, and, and do a special promotional where they gave three copies of the book away for the price of one uh, in, adv- in advance of the release of the book because that was what their their client base was willing to do, and they, they knew how to speak uh, to the meat of the heart of, of their clients. So now, um, it, 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 it varies widely. 
Okay, now let me ask you a question. If people first come to you, can you come with just a manuscript, or do you need to already have a solid relationship with a publishing house? Well, in fact, it's probably better for, for a client to come to me without a publisher. I, the, the truth is, if, you're, if you've got the, the wherewithal to be able to, to easily sell or to, to be able to sell, pre-sell 20,000 books, you have made yourself incredibly attractive to a publisher. You, just simply need, you simply need to know how to communicate to the publisher in such a way where, where you can maximize your relationship and get them to, to spend as much money on uh, co-op as possible. And so uh, coming to me with a manuscript is probably better than coming to me with a publisher. It's, it's, it, it, I, I can work in either, in either condition, but I can be of more benefit to an author who is willing to do what's necessary to market his book but doesn't have a publisher yet. It's sort of start off tabula rasa because you obviously have the relationships in place, aside from the fact you know how well, to it's, speak. Not, it's not only that. It's, it's a matter of understanding how they think. What's right, important okay. to a publisher is not necessarily what's important to an author. Mm-hmm. So being able to speak the language of the publisher to, to excite them and incentivize them is, is necessary to, get to, to maximize what they're able and willing to do. Publi- again, publishing is an is a, is a industry. Publishers are in business to make money, and so that they're going to do their best to minimize the risk up front. And if you don't know what you're doing, then, then you can then, end up then you're not going to be able to maximize not making that it on the shelf. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what is let's say the average cost to someone putting themselves in a position to get on the bestsellers list? Again, it, it, it varies widely. Again, with Ivan Meisner, he simply has to send out an email to his members, and we can easily create the sales to get the book on the bestsellers list at no cost. Uh, some authors, um, I, I'm working with a client right now. His name's mm-hmm. Steve Kaplan. His book's coming out in September. It's titled Bag the Elephant. He came to me after being retired for five years. He owned something like 163 businesses that he sold. Um, Working with, he was a business partner with the uh, owner of the Washington Redskins, and his and uh, he was a business partners with uh, John Pepper, the CEO of um, CEO and chairman of of Procter and Gamble. And he came out of retirement because he wanted to help small business owners be better business owners. And he said, "I've got this book. I don't have a platform, but I've got lots of money. Let's build. Um, can you help me build the platform and business so that we can fully capitalize on the success of the book?" And in his case, he'll be spending on the, the marketing of his book about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to create the twenty thousand books, uh, to create the, the twenty thousand book sales to push his book on the bestsellers list. But he he came to me with no platform. Um, he's not capitalizing on on the the existing relationships that he has, he, he's using the book as a way to promote his business, whereas Ivan Meisner spent absolutely nothing to be able to push his book onto the bestsellers list. Because so he it, has, it really runs the gamut. Which is, which is terrific. Now, what are some, you know, like the top things that people really should or need to keep in mind when they're actually writing their manuscript where they're putting together something so that it is, quote-unquote, sticky material. It'll make it on the shelf. Is there a certain criteria that people should sort of think of? Honestly, and I hate to say this, it's Mm -hmm. not about content. It's all about marketing. The, the, The buyers... They don't read the books. They spend about 30 seconds looking at the marketing material from the publisher, and they, and they look at the cover of the book, and then they, they look at what the co-op budget is for that title, and they make mm-hmm. their determination. They don't actually read the book. Fabulous. Thank you, because that is something I think very important, because people do write um, books, and they put their heart and soul into it, and you need to be looking down the road. What is your goal? Your goal is to get this book into it as many hands as possible. And it, it, it sounds cold, but it, again, it, at, Bar- at Barnes and Noble, there are probably ten buyers. Mm-hmm. 
each of them don't have the time to read 20,000 books every year. And so what, what they're looking at is, from a business standpoint, how well is this book going to sell through at the store level? Um, what, is the, what is the author bringing to the table? What is the publisher bringing to the table? How much co-op dollars is available? How well have other books by this author uh, sold? How well have other books by this publisher sold? Uh, how well have other books in this category sold? And uh, that's how they make their, their determination. The actual content of the book, uh, as cold as it sounds, is really irrelevant to the buyers. Well, you know, something it may be cold, but it's true. And if this is something that people are thinking seriously of doing, you need to position yourself accordingly. Absolutely. That's, it, it, it's, it's almost more important to think about the marketing for your book first and then to develop, your, develop the content of your book second. In yeah, fact, yeah. From, from that standpoint, uh, if you apply Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg's uh, persona philosophies uh, from their persuasion architecture um, philosophy to writing a book, you could pro- if you're a business owner, you could probably write a better book with the, with, with the focus on marketing and, and creating long-term sales of the book than you would if you just wrote it from your heart. And again, that might, might sound cool, but if the intention for you as an author is to use the book as a way to promote your business, then you, you want to make sure that your book is written in such a way that it actually promotes your business. A hundred percent. Well said, well said. And I think these are, you know, extremely important facts that people need to get clear in their mind. And also, too, just from, I mean, because it's, 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 a, it's a heart-wrenching thing to go through, especially right. when you detach your name to something. Right. That you have to understand, you know, it's sort of, I'd rather get, you know, a thousand no's and one yes right. than a bunch of maybes. And, right. you know, if you can craft yourself better so that your averages go up. On how many Absolutely. People say, yeah. you, know, you, you if you understand the rules of the game, mm-hmm. you can play the you can play the game better than other people. There's there's no one in the industry really who educates authors about the realities of the industry or how things are changing. And what I attempt to do for my clients is educate them about how the industry works <laughs> so that we can play the game better than anyone else. This is part of the reason why I've never missed getting a book on the bestsellers list. That's amazing. How many books have you uh, have you risen to the bestseller list? Sixteen. Wow, that's a huge, huge number. Over what period of time? The last five years. That's you are a very, very busy man. One of the things mm-hmm. to keep in mind about Michael Drew is that he doesn't take everybody that just comes to him either. He basically wants to make certain that they do have that uh, plan, that ability to to uh, market themselves. And, and if it, you know they come and they may have an have a neat book, but they have to be prepared to step up and and uh, invest in themselves in order to be successful. And that's one of the things that's uh, real critical for for a program like Michael put together. Absolutely. In fact, what I require above and beyond just being able to push their book on the bestsellers list is a plan to fully capitalize on the book being on the bestsellers list. And that includes having an integrated, strong PR strategy to fully capitalize on on your bestselling success, which in my opinion is this. PR is simply a form of advertising. It's better than traditional advertising because you've got a captive audience who's paying attention to you, but mm-hmm. it's still a form of advertising. And if you apply basic advertising principles to PR, then you must reach the same person, reader, viewer, listener, three times every five days for a minimum of 90 days for that PR to be effective. And what that translates to is about 100 interviews and reviews each month for the first three months over the first 90 days. Now, the 90 days is important for two reasons. One, that's about the time it takes for branding to occur. And two, 
it's the time that it, an author has before their books are either modeled on the, on the bookstore shelves or they're returned back to the publisher. Model being defined as um, the, the, the bookstore saying we're going to we're going to keep X number of copies on on our shelves in each of the stores around the country. Ah, interesting. What's that average? Like, what what is a good average? What's a healthy? What should you feel good about? From a modeling standpoint, three to five books is is excellent. Remember, most books um, don't sell five thousand copies in, in in their lifetime, and most books never make it onto the retail shelf to begin with. So, if you're if you're fortunate enough to to have the retail distribution, uh, if you can create the sell through, then having a three to five book average on a store by store basis is is very good. Great, that's phenomenal. So. Someone comes to you with, with uh, a manuscript, preferably a manuscript, although it's fine to have um, a relationship in place with a publishing house. You work with them to make sure that their marketing is in place so that they can capitalize on the book sales and really accomplish what they need to do. What are, what are like, the, the steps that you normally take, and how much do you usually have to go back and sort of help? Do you help them edit if it's not properly positioned for its best-selling capabilities? I'm not sure that I understand the question. Could you, could you rephrase that? It was actually two, I apologize. It's actually two questions in one. One was, you know, sort of the process. When someone comes to you, the process that you go through so that you can get to the point where, you know, you have your, you know, 100 interviews every month for three months where you have a, a marketing plan in place so that you can support the sales of the book and, just the, and what it is that you're actually trying to achieve by publishing a book. Let me, let me answer the question. The first thing we do is we we, we develop the, the, the marketing strategy to generate the twenty thousand sales um, first. We do that first, and then we go and hire a PR firm. Uh, there's there are two or three different PR firms that I work with that will guarantee me for my clients because I always bring best selling clients to them that will guarantee me that level of PR success. I don't personally do the PR myself. I work with PR firms that specialize in doing that. Um, PR is is all about relationships, and it's just simply not possible for me to be able to keep the relationships that I have in the industry and pushing the book on the bestsellers list, and to develop hundreds of relation or thousands of relationships with journalists across the country. So I, I allow the experts at that to do that. Um, so typically, what we do is we develop the, the bestseller strategy first, and again, it varies from author to author. Then we go mm-hmm. back and and we we get bids from two or three different PR firms that will guarantee us three, the minimum of 300 media interv- interviews, and we, we go through the interview process with each of those firms and, and determine who we'd like to work with. That's Okay, so, but you stay a part of that whole process? I do. Okay, so no, is it you that really manages that relationship? How, how enrolled is the author in that relationship? With the PR, well, the, the, the author has to be integrally involved with the relationship with the PR firm. I simply... And the facilitator, um, having worked with these PR firms, knowing knowing that they're able to accomplish it, I simply act as the facilitator to to make the the contact between the author and and the PR firm. I require my authors to work with with PR firms like this, and so I oftentimes will come to me and say, "Well, I don't know any PR firms, and, and most authors don't, who can generate that level of PR. Who would you recommend?" And I I give them a list of two or three different publishers of uh, two or three different um, PR firms who are able to accomplish. Our goals. Now, how long do you stay in strong relationship with your authors? When, when, when do you actually sort of clip their wings and say, "Okay, you, you can fly now"? Well, it, 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 it's a good question. Uh, 
really the, the, the campaign starts six to nine months before the release of the book, and it lasts through the first 90 days after the book's been released. That's, again, that's the, the critical time that we've got to create that sell through at the store level. That the, those 90 days are the critical time when, when the initial PR campaign is going, and that's when we're going to be, that, within the first actually 30 days is when we're going to initially push the book onto the bestsellers list. So typically after 90 days um, is, is when I turn the campaign completely and fully over to the author. Uh, usually most of the big things have occurred by the end of the, the first 90 days. Uh, it, it is possible um, with some authors who, are, who have the capability of keeping their book on the bestsellers list for a long period of time that I continue to work with them, um, but that typically doesn't happen. I'm working with an author right now. His name is Harv Ecker. He did a book titled Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. and We've been able to keep that book on the bestsellers list since February. And so I, I, I continue to do my uh, work with that book um, on an ongoing basis, but he's, he's able to deliver roughly eight to 10,000 sales per week, and he's been able to do that since February. That's phenomenal, but the and most, average... and most authors are not able to do that. Most authors I work with have the ability to deliver the, the 20,000 that I asked them to, and, the, and those 20,000 sales are used in our bestseller push the first two weeks after the release of the book. So if you if you so basically authors out there listening or authors to be, um, it's basically a year relationship with you then. Typically. Typically, yes. Okay, my goodness, that's that's a that's a, a digestible amount of time to see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> it, it well it. it. Basically, I tell authors that when they start working on their book or thinking about finding a publisher, that's when they need to hire me. That would be ideal. Because that's when you're going to be able to convince the publisher that this book is a big book and it deserves the distribution that we needed to have. The farther into the game that we get, the harder it's going to be to convince the publisher to do the things that we need them to do. So potentially at least a year out is advisable. Even 15 to 18 months would be helpful. Which is great. And speaking of time, let us go to another commercial break, and then perhaps you can, you know, maybe run us through a case study, one of um, your most heartwarming success stories. Sure. I think that would be very inspiring for our listeners to hear. All right, we'll be right back with Cover Story. Do you sell a product or service with monster potential in the online market? Then attack the opportunity to turn your dreams into reality. Equipped with flexible e-commerce software from MonsterCommerce.com, you'll possess complete control of your store, including your storefront's design, maintenance of your products, and management of your online orders. And all with the technical support and service. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Grow your business today with MonsterCommerce.com. There's nothing quite as rewarding as feeling in complete control. To experience this level of power on the web, visit BlowSearch.com. Let us give you, the search engine advertiser, what other engines simply don't. Complete control over your pay-per-click advertising. Blow away your competitors' IPs today and select the sites you want to receive traffic from while accurately tracking your ROI with BlowSearch.com. BlowSearch.com. Finally, pay-per-click search advertising you control. So they got pretty good food here, huh? Uh -huh. Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts, mm. plus their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and mm. tells me how much I earn from each advertisement. Wow. Doesn't that sound better? Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give value. 
ValueClick Media try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch Media.com today. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to this edition of Cover Story. And we were just about to hear um, a great case study, a very heartwarming case study. Well, I think the, f- the first uh, story that I, that I want to talk about is uh, Roy H. Williams' book. Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads. Roy is exceptionally well-known in the radio broadcast industry. He writes for Radio Inc. and other, other uh, radio trade publications. And uh, uh, he's very, very well-known by... He, he, he used to speak at every uh, state radio convention at, in every state in the country uh, every year for, for several years. He owned an advertising agency called uh, Williams Marketing, and his, his clients um, were, ended up being some of the top advertisers for whatever their, their product was in, their, in each of their markets. He was very, very well known in the radio industry. And he wrote a book titled Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads. It was sequel to a book titled uh, The Wizard of Ads. And uh, what we did to promote the book is uh, we mailed a copy of the book out the month before the release of the book. The book came out in September. We mailed the book out in, in uh, actually the end of July to the general manager of every radio station in the country. And most of the general managers were familiar with Roy because, again, he wrote in Radio Inc., but also because they'd, they'd most likely seen him speak uh, at one of their at their uh, state radio convention uh, sometime in the last two or three years. And we, we, we mailed the advanced copy of the book with a letter that stated, if you buy 20 copies of this book on a specific date from a specific retail bookstore and run 200 radio ads promoting this book, we will give you a copy of the author's 12-tape training library that we were valuing at $10,000 at the time. This was based on his two different uh, seminars that he was doing, uh, that he was uh, had, had been doing for the last couple of years around the country at the radio conventions. And you'll be able to use this video to train your sales reps. You obviously have seen the value, know the value of what Roy talks about, now bring in this training for your, your sales reps. On top of that, if you, give this co- if you give these copies to potential clients, this book will sell radio for your, sta- for your station. And the reason is that this book is an outside source that states that radio is the best form of advertising for a smaller, medium-sized business. Amen. When your sales rep gives this to a potential client, the potential client will read the book. Um, they'll be convinced that they need advertising radio, and most likely they'll go back to the sales rep that gave them this book. And so um, we were able to do that. We got 867 radio stations who participated in this. We, wow. were, we were able to launch the book number one on the Wall Street Journal list and number three on the New York Times the seller's list the first, the first week that it was released the first week that it was released which is amazing and let me just step in i mean because this is a very like a very focused um niche type of book so to be able to launch so well is oh, i absolutely. mean you should be so proud of yourself i mean because that's a very you know people you know with radio advertising is very specific and to be able to take that net and cast it out to also the consumer marketplace is brilliant right. 
brilliant. Yeah, it was it was it, it, it was a good campaign, and it was a good way of capitalizing on Roy's name and reputation within within his industry. Um, I'll tell the story of what we did we did with Ivan um, Meisner. Um, we, we we did a book titled Masters of Networking back in two thousand one. Again, as I mentioned before, Ivan owns a company called BNI, which stands for Business Network International. It's the largest business referral organization. And when I say business mm-hmm. referral organization, I mean your 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 Monday morning clubs that get together at a at a bookstore, at a at a coffee shop, and they pass referrals. Not not as in network marketing, but as in business referral organization. Um, there at the time there were roughly thirty thousand members of BNI worldwide, and it's a franchise organization. There's a, a franchise owner that owns different areas throughout the country. So, there, as an example, there's a BNI franchise owner who owns all of the state of Wisconsin. Another BNI franchise owner that owns all of all of the chapters that exist in the city of New York. A chapter consists of one person per industry, meaning that. One chapter only allows one doctor, one lawyer, one electrician, one mm-hmm. car salesman, one insurance salesman, so on and so forth. And so what happens is um, when um, there's already a, a lawyer in a chapter, that lawyer sees the value in BNI, and so they they go join another chapter, they start a new chapter, and, and that's how BNI has been able to grow. And what we did is we had these franchise owners contribute to the book Masters of Networking, uh, a chapter, and then... Um, because because they own their business and they're and because it's again a franchise organization, um, we're, we were trying to help them become the the local experts for for marketing and networking in their individual markets. And so what we did is we set up a, a, a special day that we called Masters Day. It was the world's largest single day event, and we had over a hundred contributing authors, and we had uh, fifty four of them who participated in Masters Day. And what we did is we had each of them do a book signing in their in their market on the same day throughout the entire country. We had their BNI members go out to this event and, and support the book and, and purchase the book at the event. And we were able to launch the book uh, to number one on the Washington Journal list. We were able to uh, add on to the New York Times list. We were able to uh, break a Guinness Book of World Records for most book signings on the same day for the wow. same book in multiple markets. Uh, we won the Benjamin Franklin Award for excellence and innovation for, for book marketing. It was very, very different. It, it, took a, it took an old thing, a book signing, and created a new spin, and we were, we were able to be very, very successful with it. Um, so that, that was another way we were able to capitalize on this author's existing uh, name and reputation within his business uh, to push his book on the bestsellers list. Which is tremendous, and I think one thing that, you know, like a consistent theme that I'm hearing from you and something obviously that's a specific criteria for you prior to taking on a new project is really take a close look at who your marketplace currently is and then try to create a relationship that's not only going to sell you more books but obviously creates a win-win, not only, you know, for you promoting your company but also for helping those people that are part of your publics, which is something that we're always trying to push um, on cover story. Well, again, the, the, the philosophy or strategy in my mind is this: you sell the, the first. The first thing you do is sell to people who who know you or who who you know that um, are more likely to buy books. If, if you've never heard of the author before, never heard of the book before, you're going to be a little bit more hesitant to buy the book. But if you start with mm-hmm. people that you know, um, they're going to be far more likely to buy the book and be be far more likely to help you market your book. You start there, and once you're able to push your book on the bestsellers list, then you can use the credibility that the bestsellers list gives you. And, uh, and and then you can use large mass media, or in this case, a large PR campaign to capitalize on that. 
Which is so important to what you're saying truly is the foundation. It's really kind of a, a three-pronged or four-pronged approach. One is make sure that you get your marketing campaign truly knocked out even prior to getting your relationship with your publisher. That way they have more confidence and they'll put more money and promotion behind you so that you'll, you'll actually make it onto bookshelves and make it onto bookshelves with um, good amounts of copies on the bookshelves. Second is... Um, to obviously get out there and promote yourself to your various populations, and which is so important. We're, you know, I'm a very firm believer. Enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm, and word of mouth is still the strongest form of advertising at the end of the day. If you can get a bunch of people talking about how wonderful and great you are, Absolutely. then, you know, I mean, that's just, that's sort of like a wildfire that, that sort of grows on its own, which is nice. And, and be confident in that. I think people don't always look at the people around them as strongly as they should, whether it's because um, they don't feel confident or sometimes it's hard to see the, the forest through the trees, you know, right. when you're so immersed in your own business. Right. And, and truly, and then get yourself to that point where you've made that commitment of, I'm going to sell X amount of books up front and use the credibility that, um, you know, whether it's the journalist or the Times list, et cetera, that allows you to get out there and use this for credibility to continue growing, growing your company, writing new books, or taking yourself to your next marketing level. Absolutely. One of the things you'll find about Michael Drew is he'll, he'll push you to your next level. One of the things that I learned from one of his clients was they, they referred to him as an absolute bulldog. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that uh, is, is important, I think, Randy, is that uh, you know, we may be an expert in our field, but entering into this particular arena of, of, of publishing and, and uh, distributing a book, that's a whole other field. And, you know, it's good to have a publicist or somebody who's an absolute expert in that arena, like Michael Drew, to help you along with those kind of, of steps, those, those uh, action steps that would be easy for you and I to, to delete or, or diminish the value of, because we just haven't been there. A hundred percent. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, the services that you offer, the success rate that you've had, and I understand that you're extremely um, particular about whom you decide to do business with, but I think the information you're giving on this show is so valuable. And just in the regard that, yes, if you have a book to publish, really look at it more from, instead of a content perspective, a marketability perspective, a PR perspective. Take yourself, you know, take the personal out of it. And look right. down well, the road I, at I what you're trying to achieve. Important, but it, it, it's important from a long-term word-of-mouth standpoint. And to, to get to that point, you've got to hit critical mass. And the, 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 from, my, from my experience, hitting critical mass requires selling between 250 and 500,000 copies of your book. So unless, unless you can pre-sell 250 to 500,000 copies of your book, um, you can't really rely on word of mouth. Content, content is important. It's important online. It's important to the media, but it's not important from a business standpoint in relationship to getting the book on the bestsellers. It's not important to the, as, as important to the publisher, and it's not as important to the buyers of the trade. And that's just, that's just the facts, folks. That's just the facts. Thank you for bringing it down to a level that is digestible for people. I think will give people um, a lot to think about. I mean, this is this is important in a different perspective. And kids, don't try this at home. Really, um, your my website... recommendation is don't even try to publish a book until you until you're able to commit to the time, energy, and money to be able to a pre-sell twenty thousand copies of your book and b do spend about one hundred and fifty thousand on PR. Perfect. At that point. 
you can you, you'll be able to bring value to your publisher. At that point, you'll be able to to, to make to, to do real damage in the industry. Otherwise, if if you're not able to do those two things, um, you you run the risk of blacklisting yourself in the industry. Ooh, that's okay. Can you explain blacklisting to us, please? Well, it, no one's going to say you're blacklisted, but, but but essentially, how well your first book sells is going to determine the type of distribution you're going to get in the future. If your first book sells horribly, the buyers are going to take a risk on you in the future. Um, I, I've worked with authors who've published a, a first book and didn't have the platform. They weren't able to create the sell-through. And when they came to me, they did have the platform, they did have the money, and we were only able to get a third of the distribution that we would have been able to get with a first-time author because the, the experience of the buyer was that th- th- this author was not able to create the sell-through. And again, with, with a limited amount of shelf space, you have to be very careful that you don't brand yourself as an author that doesn't sell through or only creates a minimal amount of sell through. That very, you know, something I think the people may may not have thought about that. Hey, let me give it a try myself before I go and really make it. You know, let me invest in myself in that way. Let me try to make a go for it myself, and there, they'd end there, up. There's nothing you know, wrong with you self-publishing a book and selling it directly, but my recommendation would not be to try to get retail distribution. You're only setting yourself up for future failure. Wow. Wow, Mick. That's an incredible piece of advice right there, Randy. I mean, what, what more can you say? Uh, there's, you know, you don't want to come out out the gate and, and already you know, be, be putting yourself in a very poor position with your prospective audience. And I think it comes back to where's, what's your audience when you're marketing a book. It's not just people you want to read it. You have to remember that it's going to be the, the publishers and the retailers as well. and they. And they want to know that you're going to be effective, that you're going to stand behind your your books, your program, your, and that it's something that uh, they know you're going to push, and, and then they don't have to do so much pull, I'm sure. Uh, and you know that $150,000 of promotional money that 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 may sound like it's uh, you know, a pretty sobering amount of money to to put into a book, but when you think about the residual, if you really believe in 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 what you have to offer, if you're you have something that you you think will be able to change people's lives. For the better in business industry or whatever it may be, then that's one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's probably very very well invested. Yeah, true. You'd use the advice of somebody and the counsel of somebody that can make sure that you're using it effectively. Well, let, let me give you an example to illustrate the exact point. Roy Williams, when he went from being a non best selling author to a best selling author, went from five thousand dollars a seminar to twenty thousand dollars a seminar. He was doing fifty seminars the first year. The next year, he did sixty seven. Wow, which means that he may pack his investment in just a few short months. Absolutely. I was actually just looking at his site, and he has other uh, instructors, you know, who come in and and teach different segments. Uh, Guys like the Eisenbergs will come in and teach teach a segment. So, you know, he's he's made himself a really a central figure. As I said, getting getting your book on the there's nothing. Nothing short of the, the Pulitzer or the uh, uh, Nobel Prize um, is as valuable as getting on the bestsellers list. It, it has short-term and long-term positive ramifications for your business. It's immeasurable. It'll help your business out in, in ways that I couldn't even fathom. So, Brandy, when you're writing your book, girl. You know, as soon as you're ready to sit down and brainstorm and we'll do it jointly. But it's true. When you think about all the money, and I, I think this is an interesting perspective because I was sitting there thinking, wow, $150,000, what a big commitment. But when you think about all the money that you spend on various forms of advertising, if 
if you sit down and you really look at yourself and you say, how am I currently advertising myself? How am I setting myself up as an expert in my arena? How am I helping myself to grow? I mean, the best form of credibility in, in any genre is to make it on to, like you said, it's immeasurable. So when you start thinking about one lump sum, but if you start looking at what your advertising budget currently is, your promotions budget currently is, your marketing budget currently is, and you actually start blending some of those various budgets together, this is probably a very small percentage. And obviously the commitment of time to actually sit down and craft a book properly so that it can be packaged where, A, you're still keeping your integrity, but, B, you're crafting it in such a way that's receivable not only by the publishers but by your consumer base as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful idea and something that I think people think about but they oftentimes think that they can't um, actually achieve. And I think that you've really positioned this in a very digestible way and you've given people, like, very specific criteria. If you are willing to, then you will get. Exactly. And if you possess this, then you will achieve that. And, you know, people go home and start thinking about this because uh, I think this is an extremely viable way of not only marketing yourself, but also creating a legacy, too. I mean, because the books don't go away. Having no, that once you're a New York Times best-selling author, no one mm-hmm. can ever take that away. It's not a, it's not a you're a New York Times best-selling author today and you're not tomorrow. Once a New York Times best-selling author, always a New York Times best-selling author. Absolutely. So that said, Brandy, I think it's a uh, cover story, lessons learned, and I think you're going to have to have a chapter or two dedicated to Michael Drew and promote a book. Cause, uh, I tell you yeah. what, it's just been an outstanding amount of information. I've, I've, I've felt like I've been at the watering hole just absorbing this information as, as uh, he's, he's detailed out uh, some of the things that he does, and I think he's only touched on the beginning of what he does. I think it's a much uh, deeper involved process, but I'm, I'm glad he hit those highlights that he did to kind of wake us up as to what the possibilities are. I mean, I'm inspired. I mean, Mick, that was, you know, Brady, what are you going to write your book? But, I mean, I'm inspired now. I'm absolutely and positively inspired, as I'm sure all of our listeners are. And, yes, we have just begun with you, so I hope that you will come back and be another featured guest on Cover Story. I'd love to. That would be fabulous. All right, everyone, we've come to a close of another Cover Story, very regrettably, but we will see you next week on Cover Story.